to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings if you should find yourself in our neighborhood. Please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me begin by sharing a story with you. I think this was on on CNN the other day. Uh, Sometime after Sidney died, Tilly was finally able to speak about what a thoughtful man her late husband had been. Sidney thought of everything, she told her friends. Just before he died, he called me to his bedside. He handed me three envelopes. Tilly, he said, I have put all my last wishes into these three envelopes. After I'm dead, please open them and do exactly as I have instructed. Then I can rest in peace. What was in the envelopes, her friends asked. Well, the first envelope contained $5,000 with a note. Please use this money to buy a nice casket. So I bought a beautiful mahogany casket with such a comfortable lining that I knew Sydney is resting peacefully. The second envelope contained $10,000 with a note. Please use this for a nice funeral. I arranged a very nice funeral for Sydney, very dignified, and I bought all of his favorite foods for everyone who attended. And the third envelope, her friends asked. The third envelope contained $20,000 with a note. Please use this to buy a nice stone. Holding her hand in the air, flashing a 10-carat diamond, Tilly said, So how do you like my new stone? I should have a bigger crowd today. Well, I got to thinking, it didn't take Tilly all that long to get over Sidney's death. But on the other hand, Jesus' disciples were still dealing with his death and his resurrection. Remember, they had already encountered him two times since his resurrection. Once without Thomas, and once with Thomas in attendance in that upper room behind the closed doors, But they hadn't yet figured out how Jesus' resurrection would impact their lives and their future. And so Peter decided to do what he did most of his life before Jesus came along. He said, I'm going to go fishing. And several of the other disciples said, well, hang on, we'll go with you. They didn't know what to make of things either. They didn't know how Jesus' resurrection was going to play out in their lives. Obviously, he wasn't sticking around. It wasn't this master class of budding theologians that he had had prior to his his arrest and his crucifixion. Times had changed. Jesus was moving on, and so would they, but they didn't know where they were going to move on to. Well, 
so they went out fishing. And just like a certain Lutheran pastor in Lufkin, they had absolutely no luck at all. At about daybreak, Jesus was spotted standing on the shore. He was quite a ways off, but he seemed to be shouting something at them. And so, even though they, with a fruitless night of fishing, they were rowing in toward the shore, they stopped their rowing to make it as quiet as possible and to hear what that guy was saying. They didn't recognize him, like I said. Maybe they thought that Jesus only could be seen in enclosed rooms. Anyway, they heard him shouting, and so they stopped the rowing, and then they could hear, and the man seemed to be asking how their luck had been. Had they caught anything? Well, no, they hadn't. And then he, they listened again, and he was saying, well, then cast your net on the other side of the boat and try again. Now, this was a curious thing. You see, Peter, at the very least, and probably some of the others in the boat with him, were not inexperienced fishermen. Peter had been a professional. And even if the unrecognized man on shore had been Bill Dance or some other famous fisherman, it really shouldn't make any difference at all which side of the net or the boat the net was cast on. But for some inexplicable reason, the guys in the boat did as they were told with absolute misgivings, I'm sure. And by golly, the net was so full of fish that they could barely pull it up on onto the deck. And it's at that point that they said, oh, wow, now we know who that is on the shore. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Who else do we know that can perform miracles or, or know inexplicable things like that? It's got to be the Lord. And another inexplicable thing was that despite being absolutely full to overflowing, the net didn't break at all. And I guess that was fairly common that some of the threads of the, the nets would break when it was too heavy a load, but this one didn't. And then as they pulled up on the bank, pulled the boat out of the water, they immediately saw that Jesus had already started a fire on the beach and was barbecuing some fish. The gospel doesn't say where Jesus got his fish, <coughs> but he clearly had no qualms about having the crew eat fish for breakfast. Now, I can say with absolute, utter conviction that if my wife Inga had been in the boat, she would have passed on the cooked fish for breakfast. Fortunately, St. John says that there was also bread available. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't say if they smacked their lips. It didn't say that they asked for second helpings or anything else. All it says is that Jesus suddenly, as they were sitting there, peaceably enjoying his company and the food, Jesus asked Peter, Peter? Do you love me? Peter says, 
Yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I do. It's no secret. Feed my sheep. And then for no particular reason that they could figure out, Jesus asked the same question again. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I do. Feed them. And then again, once more, feed my lambs. Three times, three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And when he said, yes, you know that I do, Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Driving the point home, kind of like those three envelopes at the beginning of the sermon, three messages you got to do something. What are you going to do? You can't go out and fish because you haven't sorted out your life and you haven't sorted out what it means that I rose from the grave. But I'm telling you, now that you've got the message, now that you've seen me, now that you've been fed by me, you in turn need to go out and feed others. Don't just catch fish and barbecue them on the beach for them. That's not what they most need. What they most need is that that food for the soul, the knowledge that God loves them, that God has redeemed them. Don't even tell them about me. You don't need me that much. Just tell them God loves you so much that he would sacrifice anything for their salvation. Feed them. Give them that good news. We talk about this, and of course he said that three times for emphasis, to make sure they understood how utterly important it is. And we do that in church too. Obviously, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about feed my sheep. We still are, because people still need that nourishment. People need that feeding. They need that good news. That's what gospel means, by the way. It means good news. Evangelion, good news. They need that good news in a life that is often so harsh, so full of bad news. You listen to the news on TV, whether it's the local news or the national news or even the international stories, what do we hear? We hear about North Korea and the threat of a nuclear missile attack, and we hear about the suicide bombings in Afghanistan, and we hear about the economy, and we hear about tragic accidents in our own Angelina County. We hear so much bad news. We need good news in our lives that overwhelms the bad news and gives us not just hope for tomorrow, but joyful anticipation. What is God going to do in your life tomorrow? What is he going to do in your life this coming week? Obviously, there are a lot of people that are out looking today. What is God going to do in my life? And get excited about it. And rise in the morning, not with a sense of dread or a sense that it can't get any better than this under the blanket on this soft pillow. No, I can't hardly wait to get up and see what good thing God is going to do in my life today. And it may have to do with your family. And it may have to do with your friends or your colleagues at work. It may have to do with something that's coming in the mail or a telephone call. Surprise. But look and see what God is doing in your life. And then take that good news too. 
as well as the gospel and bring it to someone who is living in dread or discouragement. Now I have to say that popes notwithstanding, St. Peter is long gone. And so is so is Luke. So is Matthew. So is John. They're all long gone, even St. Paul. We can see movies, but the, they're gone. The torch has been passed, and now it comes down to us. And Jesus isn't talking to the disciples anymore. He's talking to you and me. And he's asking first, do you love me? Do you love Jesus? And if you do, then feed the sheep. Feed his lambs. Some of it has to do with the lambs right here. Maybe the little ones that have that are scattered here and there in the seats and some that are in the back of the church right now. Spread the good news. Tell them. I have to, it's not in my notes, but, you know, one of the things that happens in confirmation class, that, and it's always been the case for me as pastor, when we start off confirmation class for seventh graders mostly, and I try to find out, well, what do you know about the Bible? Do you know the Old Testament? Do you know the New Testament? Can you name any of Jesus' disciples? What was Jesus' mother's name? They get that right a lot of the time. The disciples, that's a different story. In fact, most of the time, if you can imagine a bucket full of knowledge there might be one or two crumbs right at the bottom. They just don't know. They haven't been fed. They haven't been fed. I'm not talking just about us here, although there is that sense that the kids don't go to Sunday school, so they don't learn much about that. Feed my lambs. And your neighbors, do you know that every one of them is a Christian? That everyone goes to church? that everyone knows how much God loves them, that they're saved not by being good people. You know, I've done funerals at times, and what people tell me in preparing for the funeral, especially if it was someone that I didn't know, I'd say, tell me about so-and-so. What can you tell me about him so I get to know him and can talk about him in the funeral service? They say, oh, he was such a good person, he would give you the shirt right off his back. You've heard that too. There wasn't a person he didn't like. Oh, he loved to go fishing, loved to go hunting, loved his grandchildren, loved the cowboys, the Aggies. And you'd be surprised how seldom they say he loved his Lord. We need to feed people with the good news so that not only do they wake up in the morning nourished and excited about what's going to happen that day but that one day they can wake up to an eternity with their Savior hmm well maybe that's what Jesus was trying to get through to Peter Do you love me? Well, if you love me, then do this. 
has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing to do with earning Jesus' love. It's, yes, I love you. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.